You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Will Russia's war in Ukraine herald Armageddon? What does the Bible actually say? Well, in this episode, we examine the current war conflict, dominating global headlines at the moment. The Bible has much to say about the latter days. Incredible events are taking place right now before our very eyes, and Bible students are watching it ever so closely. The plan and purpose of God will come to pass regardless of what man says, thinks or does. All God's ways will prevail amongst all the nations of this world. And what an exciting time in which we live. It's really amazing what's going on. But first of all, I want to go back a little tiny while. And here we are, 2015. Russia did a major manoeuvre, military parade, in the middle of Moscow. And the London paper said, Russia is actively preparing for war in Europe. 2015. Well, now we are seeing the events transpiring. But, you know, that's exactly what we've expected long ago. You see, here's what the newspaper said six weeks ago. The Sydney newspaper said this. There were two headings. The first one said, Russia is on the brink of invasion. That is, is of U Ukraine. And once again, it will try to redraw the map of Eastern Europe. And the next heading said, amidst World War III fears. Now, that should be no surprise to us as Christadelphians, because... John Thomas, who wrote way back in 1848, 170, 180 years ago, wrote in the introduction to Elpis Israel, one of our most fundamental books. He said in the preface to that book, he said these words. When Russia makes its grand move for the building up of its image empire, then let the reader, that's us, know that the end of all things as that present constituted is at hand. In other words, man's rulership of this world will be brought to an end and the Lord Jesus Christ will take over. There will be a great conflict and that will be the consequence. So you see, the time is very short for us, it would appear. And so we must take this very, very seriously. Well, look at what we've been seeing. Here we go, day one, only a few days ago, but just a bit over a week, Russia crosses the line. There's the headline in the Australian. And here they moved in from this area here, Donabas, in from the north up here, and swept in towards the area of Ukraine, sending in their tanks and such like. It was frightening, it was devastating as they came in. Russia crosses the line, and then, only one day later, echoes of World War II, a bit like that Sunday headline, World War III is on the way. 
And they said Russia's executing a blitz to wipe out Ukraine off the map. The speed and ferocity of the invasion has caught both the Ukrainians and outside observers by surprise. The consequence was huge. Here's a picture that day of people fleeing. Look. Car after car as people were fleeing from Ukraine. Massive numbers. The roads were absolutely jammed with people trying to get out of that country. They were utterly terrified. And so here was the consequence. Over a million now, well over a million, I think it's 1.3 million, I may have that figure wrong, have fled Ukraine. Here's where they've gone, dominantly to Poland. But huge numbers are fleeing. And of course, as we know, it's the women that is allowed to cross over are calling upon the men to stay behind and to fight. And fight they are. But you can see the gravity of what we're seeing taking place around us. It's absolutely staggering. Remember John Thomas's words, when you see that happening, get ready. Well, let's move on. Here we are a few days later, day seven. Nukes alert. Putin raises the stakes. Oh, this is getting horrific. Nuclear energy. How many nuclear weapons has Russia, said this article? Russia has more than 1,500 nuclear weapons deployed and almost 3,000 in reserve. And he has summoned them on the move. There's one of the pictures out of the Australian of that day. And Putin warned, look out. He warned there could be consequences you've never seen. And he's implying by that the use of these weapons. It's horrific what they're threatening. Utterly horrific. Something that this world's never seen quite the same. World War II wasn't anything like this in the gravity and the threat of nuclear weapons. Oh yes, they used two, but right at the end and brought the war to an end. But now, right at the start, the threat of using these is huge. And so it proceeds on. Day eight, March the 2nd, only a few days ago, Putin's aimed a knockout blow. And here they're moving in. Look at the convoy. It's 65 kilometres long with tanks and trucks and weapons, guns and everything, sweeping in and now bogged down somewhat in Ukraine as it moves in to threaten that area. He's determined to defeat that country and he's determined to have a knockout blow. And so the papers go on. Get out before the missile blitz. Russia tells Kyiv, the capital city, flee. Tanks and artillery, 15,000 Russian troops on the outskirts of the city. You just imagine if that was Adelaide, how we would fear. What would we do? It's terrifying what we're seeing. The gravity of this is huge. And so it goes on. They attack then one of the nuclear facilities. Here's one of the missiles coming in. Here's what it looks like at daytime. Six times bigger than Chernobyl. Fortunately, they backed off Russia. They caught on fire that nuclear facility and Russia backed off and they're able to put out that fire. But they say if it blew up, it will be six times worse than Chernobyl. There it is. There's where it was. 
Russia's reckless attack on the nuclear power plant in Ukraine is a dangerous escalation that represents a dire threat to all Europe and the world, the US ambassador said to the UN. My goodness, if this continues, we certainly need Christ's return, don't we? And that is indeed what the scriptures tell us will take place and what will occur. And so here we are. Of course, before the war, they held some of these areas here, but now they're advancing into the north and in here through to the north here and bringing in through ships attacks to the south. The devastation's huge, but it hasn't swept the country yet. It's very intimidating. It's very scary. And we're seeing a very horrific scene taking place upon the world today. Russian attack, and there's where they are, well, a day or two ago. So the big question for us now is where will this end? Well, the people in Ukraine says it's going to go into Eastern Europe. It's going to go right through Europe, says Zelensky. It's going to be horrific. But where does the Bible say it will end? It will end with Christ's return. Now, in the Old Testament, it states, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And many, many times in the Old Testament, similar things are stated. The Bible is full of it. Let's look at the New Testament. Christ's return, referred to no less than 318 times in the New Testament alone. Probably the same numbers almost in the Old Testament. The inevitable result is they will come into this land, into the land of Israel, as we'll see in a minute, Russia will, and Christ will return. And the clear sign is Russia moving. When Russia makes its grand move for building up its image empire, then let the reader, that's us, know that the end of all things, as it constituted, is at hand. The day is short. Well, how will this occur? There's the critical question for us. How is it going to be brought about? What's going to happen? The gravity of what we're seeing is huge, ladies and gentlemen, huge. And so that what we're expecting then is events to take place, military events, then finally Christ intervening to stop it. We'll see about that in a minute. But we won't turn these quotes up. We've got plenty of quotes there and they're on the PowerPoint. But Daniel chapter 12 says, the world is going to be in a time of trouble such as never was. And then he goes on to talk of Christ's return. Luke chapter 21, the Olivet Prophecy said, there shall be signs upon the earth, distress of nation and perplexity. The word perplexity means no way out. The sea and the waves roaring, symbolic of the nations. And then he goes on to say, be like in the days of Noah, near the days of Lot, and finally Christ will return. And so what are we to expect? First of all, a time of great difficulty, a time of great trouble, a time of perplexity. No way out. But is that what we're seeing? Well, first of all, we're going to see Russia ally with or conquer Europe. And that's what we're seeing now. The beginning of that. How do we know that's true? 
who I've just read about and it's in before us at the moment. Look at Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 2. Son of man, set thy face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. So here's this area of the land of Magog. We're going to look at it a little later. But Magog is central Europe and it includes Ukraine. And then he goes on to say in verse 3, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. So here is the leader of Russia, Meshach and Tubal. And, the, and with them is other nations. Look at verse 6. Goma and all his bands and the house of Dagama and the north quarters and all his bands and any people with thee. For thou art prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and thy company that are assembled unto thee and be thou a guard unto them. So now it talks of another power, the area of Tagama. We'll talk about that later, which is the area of Turkey. And so into that area will come these nations, into the Middle East, into Israel. But more on that in a minute. First of all, Russia. Let's have a look at it. There's a map of more somewhat Eastern Europe and centering our attention, particularly on Ukraine. Now, it's quite interesting. I pulled this out of my PowerPoint collection, which I produced about four years ago. And this is what we said. That will be the area where I'll focus. And this is what's going to take place. The future movements of Russia are notable signs of the times. An early writer of ours, remember I talked about this Dr. Thomas, who wrote 170, 180 years ago, he said the future movements of Russia, on the basis of the Bible he said this, the future movements of Russia are notable signs of the times. And what he therefore expected was this, Russia would move into Ukraine, either go into Europe or Turkey, but in either order. Looks like they're going to move into Europe first at the moment and then move into the land of Israel, as the arrows said on the PowerPoint. And so it's very dramatic what we're seeing right now. Very dramatic because they're moving against Ukraine. You know, in Ezekiel chapter 38, it speaks of the chief prince. Now that chief there is not a good translation. It's better the word Rosh, the Hebrew word Rosh. And it's a proper noun. And Jesenius, the leading lexicographer, like a dictionary of the Hebrew language, said this. The proper name of the northern nation mentioned with Tubal and Meshach, and he's talking about Rosh, is undoubtedly the Russians. He wrote that many, many years ago, who are mentioned by the Byzantine writers of the 10th century under the name of Ross, dwelling to the north of Tartarus, and described by the, so on, an Arabian writer of some age as dwelling on the river Volga. And so here it is, to the north, in the area where we today call Russia, as well as that. Here's another famous book 
Bocart's Geog Geography of the Palestine, the Land of Israel. It was written back in the 1600s, not biased by what they can see taking place. And he said of that power, Rosh, it is credible that from Rosh and Meshach, that is Rosh-I and Moshkai, of whom Ezekiel speaks, descended the Russians and the Moscovites, nations of the greatest celebrity in the European Scythia. More on that there, Scythia. And we'll come to that in a minute. Rosh is the most ancient form under which history makes mention of the name of Russia. And here we are, two very, very old books writing that when Russia wasn't the great power it is today. Again, look with me to verse 15. And I'm going to read to you oh, from the King James. And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts. You'll come out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee. All of them riding horses and a great company and a mighty army. So Ezekiel says this power that we're talking about, Rosh, Meshach and Tubal, is going to come out of the north parts. If you take a line from where he was speaking, Jerusalem, and go absolutely north, you go straight through Russia. Absolutely through Russia. Fulfilling exactly what the scripture says. Here it is, the power of Russia. But now, look with me, come back to verse 2. Very interesting. Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. So we've heard about Rosh earlier. Meshach and Tubal, there's Russia. There they are. But now there's another name, Magog. Magog. Where's Magog? Well, there are the maps saying that, but how do we know that's true? Well, one of the key historians, Herodotus, who wrote about the time of Jesus Christ, wrote a book and he said, Magog, he said, the ancient Greek writer stated, Scythia was a name given to the Greeks, to an ancient and widely extended people of Europe, who spread from the river Don westward along the banks of the Danube. Now, the area of Scythia is that area of Magog. So it's Central Europe, including Ukraine. Now, Ukraine's that area there, isn't it? Here's where Magog is. Between the Don and the Danube, there is the area of Magog. Precisely being fulfilled now with what we're seeing happening in Ukraine. It's going to spread into the rest of Europe. And those nations further are going to be aligned with Russia at that time. Staggering, isn't it? What we're seeing taking place day by day or what we saw in those PowerPoints at the start. So it's terribly exciting. Now here is Ukraine again, that area there. There's the capital, Kiev. It's interesting, Encyclopedia Britannica, writing quite a few years ago, said this, that there is, in this area, the Kievian Ross. Oh, what an interesting term. And they pointed out that back in 980 AD, a man came to power in this area by the name of Vladimir. Huh. Very similar to Vladimir Putin, isn't that? Vladimir came to power and he was extremely warlike. And what he tried to do was form a great power. 
but he also wanted to get religion to work with him. So he looked at all the religions. He looked at the Muslims. The Muslims said, you can't drink. He loved drinking, so he said, oh, I won't have that. He looked at the Catholics and he said, mm, yeah, I like the churches, they're not too bad. But then he looked at the Greek Orthodox and he said, oh, they look a whole lot better. And so their nation took upon Greek Orthodoxy. And now today it's called Russian Orthodoxy. This power then was associated with this capital city, Kiev. And they built their church, a church, a major church. Greek Orthodox Church, now a Russian Orthodox Church, of course. And then later, he and following leaders of this area shifted the power from there to Moscow. And there we've got now the Moscow that we know so much. And he did that, and he worked very much, as it said, brought Christianity and Greek Roman civilization to Russia. And indeed, that's exactly what Putin is doing now. He is supporting the former of Greek or Russian orthodoxy, building churches all over the place and getting the people to support him, not only militarily, but also religiously. He's doing that right now. And so here we see. Verse 2 speaks of the son of man, set thy face against Gog. The word Gog means the one at the top, the chief ruler of the land of Magog, that's Central Europe, and chief prince or prince of, the word there, prince, actually I should have shown that in there, the Hebrew is Rosh, the prince of Rosh, Meshach and Tubal, Russia today. And it's almost certainly Vladimir Putin. Almost certainly Vladimir Putin. Well, things are happening. How will Russia get control of Europe? Well, we can see already they're moving belligerently. But as well as that, here's Mr. Putin. One of his aims is to use energy as a source. And here are some of the pipelines passing through Ukraine. And what the paper says, Gazprom, the Russian gas company, cuts daily gas transit via Ukraine to a two-year low. Now, remember... This is only the start of this year before the attack took place. Still gas was going in there. He cut off a pipeline up here called the Yemel pipeline going through Poland into Germany. He started to reduce the amount of energy they're getting. It's like a gun to their heads. You want energy? You want gas? You want oil? You submit to us. And so he's creating a shortage in a cold period and using it as a weapon against Europe. Europe's getting the message loud and clear. Submit to Putin or else. And so he built another pipeline. He built this one. Here's the Nordic One pipeline. Here are the other pipelines, some of which coming through Ukraine, others through Belarus, another one through Poland. There's that Yamal pipeline that he cut off. And so he is reducing the amount of energy in there so they're becoming dependent upon him, utterly dependent upon him. So he built another pipeline, Nordic too. Germany says we're not going to use it at the moment, but they're really getting worried. In the paper this morning, they were saying that they are thinking they might have to go back to using coal in Germany to get energy if they cut off the pipelines from Russia. They are really, really concerned at the moment.
over what's going on. They do not want to pro provoke Russia too much more, but things are looking very desperate. And so Russia can use that gas pipeline. Russia can cut the gas pipelines to Europe through Poland and through Ukraine and use that as a threat to Europe. A little while ago, the price in gas hit this height. 600% increase. It's dropped back a little since that. But the price of gas going into the houses, they were saying, could be over $1,000 a month in some of the homes. Dramatic, dramatic what they're doing. The cost is huge. And so you can see what Russia is doing, how it's planning to move. But as well as that, look at the date, September last year, they moved into the area of Europe a manoeuvre called the Zapad, the Western manoeuvre, so Russian word for Western. They bring to the borders of Europe troops to defend them against NATO. And so they brought in 200,000 troops into that area. They haven't gone home. They're still there. They built 20 bases for them, right down along the borders of Europe. And they are not the troops <clears throat> that have particularly gone into Ukraine. They are there threatening Europe at this stage. More on that in a minute. But there it was, 200,000 troops, the largest manoeuvre made in this area over 40 years. It's very intimidating for Europe. They are very, very concerned of what's happened. And then, coming to the borders of Ukraine, they brought in troops. They had troops over here near China, and they brought them across there. 7,000 kilometres, and in one day alone, they measured 12 trains going through, day after day. I don't know if they're reaching 12 trains each day, but in one day alone, 12 trains loaded with weapons were moving across. It was boggling what they were seeing, utterly boggling. The huge amounts of weaponry. And they brought that to the borders of Ukraine. That might well be part of those 65 kilometre long weaponry going into Ukraine. It's terrifying. Then they brought in through the Black Sea huge amounts of ships. They did the largest naval manoeuvre in the Black Sea and in the Mediterranean for a long time. Let me read it. Russia's pulled warships from across the globe to mass in the Black Sea and the Mediterranean as part of one of the largest displays of naval firepower since the Cold War. Around 140 ships, particularly, are linked exercises across the globe. So particularly into this area, they've moved. A <laughs> little bit of a joke, but some of the ships, they were worried the Turks might stop them. More on that in a minute. But here's a ship going by, a submarine. It's a Russian ship that's flying the Turkish flag. And so it wasn't attacked. Well, things are moving. Here's the leader of Ukraine, Zelensky. And he went over to see Mr. Biden. And he said, please, please help us. President Biden has assured the Ukraine Zelensky that the US opposes the Russian aggression, but Biden showed no sign of moving to get NATO to come to the defence of Ukraine. Do nothing pretty well. Oh, we'll send you some weapons, but that's all. So now, here we're going back a few weeks. The area of Europe's on the brink. 
Russian invasion of Ukraine looked inevitable. Of course, it has happened. But as well as that, this is what they're also worrying about. But Putin also desires to control all of Europe. It's fearful what they're doing. And this is exactly what we would expect, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly what we'd expect from Scripture. More on that in a minute. The Ukraine president, Zelensky, warns of a big war in Europe. In an emotional appeal to, to Russians, he said, just be careful what you're doing. Zelensky spoke directly to the people of Russia and made an emotional appeal. He warned them of what could become the start of a big war on the European continent. The whole world is saying this can happen at any day now. Warning them seriously of the troubles coming. You see, Russia has already moved into Belarus. Here is the president of Belarus shaking with Putin. There was huge protests a year or so ago there, but not anymore. And now, Russia has fought, Belarus has fallen under the influence of Russia. First country to go. Looks like Ukraine will be number two. And the leader there, President Lysensky, said this. Belarus president warns the entire continent of Europe is on the verge of war. And he said that only a few weeks ago. So they were warning that this could be what could happen. Well, what do we expect? Here's the Times late last year. As Russia masses 175 troops on the border with Ukraine, it threatens invasion 2020. American officers claim Moscow has drawn up plans for a military offensive of several fronts to the borders of Eastern Europe. And the Ukrainian crisis could spell into invasion, a war on European soil. And what do we expect? Daniel's image again must stand up. We haven't time to look at that in detail, but if anybody wants to ask some questions later, they can. But that requires the 10 toes, the area of Europe to be allied with Russia. And so what we're expecting is like this paper is saying, Russia's going to move into Ukraine, then it's going to move probably into Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania, where a high percentage of their, their population is Russian-speaking, ex-Russians. So what the expectation is that. And then they're expecting possibly that. But the order in which it happens, we do not know. So, what's going to happen? Well, let's look at Turkey for a minute. Turkey must weaken and be conquered or allies with Russia. Revelation chapter 16 verse 12 tells us that the great river Euphrates, symbolic of the power that the Turkish Empire was to be dried up and it happened in World War I. And all that there is there today is just the nation of Turkey. And Ezekiel chapter 38, though, says the area just to the north, the northern part of Turkey, Tagama, will ally itself with Russia. The house of Tagama in the utmost parts of the north and all his hordes will come with Russia. So what's going to happen? What's going on now? Well, look at the day. September this year, Erdogan, the Prime Minister of Russia, of Turkey, went to see Putin. 
We don't know what they talked about, but they were very friendly in the picture there. And the minute he landed back in Turkey, within hours, planes were landing in Turkey unloading this. Missiles, Russian missiles provided for Turkey. Turkey's part of NATO. Turkey's got the second largest army in NATO. The men in NATO were furious. They said, these missiles will probably have a device in it. If you aim at, uh, at Russia, it'll switch them off or they won't work. And when they said this, Erdogan was furious at their attack on him and said this, I'll send you all home, you ambassadors. Ambassadors from Canada, USA, France, Finland, Denmark, Germany, Netherlands and Norway. Well, in the end, he didn't. But he threatened to do so. And so he's really got a foot in both camps now. Both camps. And so things are moving. And now, just in the last few days, look at the date. Turkey closes the Bosphorus to all warships. All warship traffic. He closed the Dardanelles and the Bosphorus. There's the Bosphorus, there's the Dardanelles. No Russian ships, no American ships, no military ships are allowed to go through there into the Black Sea. How provoking that will be to Russia. Will Russia stand by and let this all take place like this? Well, the scriptures indicates to us, as we said before, Turkey will be allied with Russia. Russia will come and attack that area of Turkey and take it control of it. So when Russia takes Turkey, it will be the king of the north. Now, you may like to turn up for a moment Daniel chapter 11. But Daniel chapter 11, verse 40 tells us this. And at the time of the end, shall the king of the north, Russia, come against Turkey. I'll get that quote in a minute. It doesn't say exactly that. Daniel 11 in verse 40. We're picking up at the time of World War I. And, the, and, and at the time of the end shall the king of the south, that's the British power in Egypt, shall push at him. And the king of the north shall come against him. So it pushed the Turk right out of the area of the Middle East. And then he says, the king of the north shall come against him. Who's the king of the north? It's the power of Russia. We saw that before. It shall come against Turkey. And it shall enter into the countries. Look at verse 41. He shall enter also into the glorious land. And many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. So we're going to see Russia take Turkey. And then having taken Turkey, this is what he's going to do. Move into the area of the promised land with the Turkish power. He shall enter into the countries and shall overthrow and pass over and shall enter also into the glorious land, having taken Turkey. So what an incredible thing is happening. But Britain is to ally itself with the young lions of the Commonwealth. Well, when it was in, joined up with Europe, it somewhere fell apart. But Sheba and Dejan, which are Arab countries, and the merchants of Tarshish, Britain, will ally with the young lions, the Commonwealth countries. 
and say unto Russia, what have you come down to the Middle East for? What have you come against Israel for? And that's happening before our eyes. Look, in 2020, they broke away from Europe. And here's Boris on the phone and re-establishing the Commonwealth. Let's embrace the Commonwealth, he said. And look at the group he formed, the Kanzuk, Canadian, Australian, New Zealand and United Kingdom. There it is, coming together before us. And you know, here's Australia. We were going to get submarines from France. No, get them from America and Britain. And they formed a new group, a defence group called the AUKUS, which is Australia, New Britain and USA Alliance to defend our countries and to build our submarines. So here we can see the Commonwealth coming together with Britain. So there we are, breaking away from Europe, a wake-up call from Europe. But what about Israel? Israel's got to dwell confidently at the last. Ezekiel 38 says, verse 11, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, or the Hebrew means confidently, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. So he's going to come up to the mountains of Israel who dwell, the Jews, confidently. Well, I've got a new prime minister. Here it is last year. There he is, Mr. Bennett. And a coalition of eight different parties. Seems pretty shaky, but they're holding together very strongly at the moment. And they are saying, we can defend ourselves. The army is building, they say, the world's most powerful laser weapon ever. So if the Arabs fire missiles into us, we'll just simply burn them out in the sky. We'll certainly burn out the trigger so it doesn't blow up. As well as that, they have these Iron Dome missiles, which are extremely accurate, knocking out weapons. They are extremely confident. Look at what they're saying. It will fire one trillion watts in a quadrillionth of a second. I don't know what that quadrillionth of a second is, but if you can work it out and write it down for me, please show me afterwards. In a fraction of a second, they can knock out the weapons coming in. Yes, they're not going to burn them all up, but they're going to burn up the trigger so they don't blow up when they hit Israel. But as well as that, they are economically very confident. Look at this article. This is last year. The strongest currency in the world. This is what they're saying. Look at that. In the last couple of months, it's gone up and up and up. Israel is very strong. And as well as that, their foreign reserves have grown, grown, grown dramatically over the last couple of years. Yes, Israel is indeed dwelling very confidently, militarily and economically. Staggering what we're seeing. A little wonder. They've allied somewhat with some of the Arab countries. So in one year, their trade with the Arab countries increased by three times on average. Staggering. Utterly staggering. Little wonder. The money is pouring in. Look at the date. Into Israel. So things are changing. But other things are provoking. You see, in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 21, you could turn it up if you like, but there is the quote on the board. There are six steps. They're worth numbering. Putting a number beside them. 
Now all of those have been accomplished. But look what the next one is, number four, five. I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. Ah, oh, what's the mountains of Israel? It's this area here. It's the West Bank. Oh, so Israel's not, hasn't got the West Bank yet fully, but it's taking over. Look what Mr. Bennett said. I'll build another 1,003 more, 3,000, 1,300 settlements, homes in the West Bank in the next year or so. But already they build huge numbers of settlements. Look at them. And in, in that area today, there's nearly half a million Jews living. House prices in the West Bank are one third the same as it is the, uh, one third as it is in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. So a lot of them are saying, "Well, I'll buy that house there. It's not a big land. I can still get down to Tel Aviv each day for work." And they're living there. Some people are buying holiday houses in the West Bank, and they're taking control of it. But to many countries, that is highly provocative. They see that as Arab countries. And so Russia will say to itself, here's grounds for us moving into the Middle East. And so the next step, one king shall be king to them all. Christ's return. How long have we got? And so going back to 2015, Russia moved into Syria. Here's the Golan Heights region. Here's Israel, here's Syria. And now Russia's in that area. 2015. Now they're decidedly 2022. And not only that, last year after the Gaza war, Putin threatened Israel. Putin told Netanyahu Russia could declare war on Israel if you keep up this conflict. He said it twice. Russia warns Israel it won't tolerate more civilian casualties in the Gaza conflict. I'll invade. So the West Bank, Gaza, all of these things are a threat. A threat from Russia. And what's Russia doing now? Well, they're still at that base, their largest base is um, some 85 kilometres from the Golan Heights. A huge military base controlled by Russia, and they're flying along the borders of Israel day by day by day. Russia, Syrian pilots conduct joint air patrol missions along the Golan Heights. And they've told Israel, don't attack any more missiles or Iranian bases inside Iran. Iran and Russia and Israel is continuing to do so. It has to. It's too dangerous otherwise. But they've warned them not to. So things are looking very tricky. But now let's return to the scriptures. Ezekiel 38 verses 11 to 16 tells us this. And thou, Russia, shall say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, used of Israel. I will go to them that are quiet, that dwell securely. Yes, they do feel fairly confident. Mr. Bennett's gone up to talk to Putin just the, the only last few days. They feel very confident. And, I will and you will come against the waste places that are inhabited, against the land that is gathered out of the nations. That's what the Jews were. They came back to that land, didn't they? 1948 and so on. 
which have gotten cattle and goods. They've got control of that land. And then in verse 18, and it shall come to pass in that day when go Russia with all the nations confederate with it, Europe, shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury will come up in my nostrils and I will call for a sword against him and to all my mountains and I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood and I will rain upon him great hailstones, fire and brimstone. And so you can see, indeed, as our title said, Russia, Russia, end goal revealed in the Bible. Here's its end. It's going to have a conflict in the Middle East and God will intervene and they will be destroyed. And so you can see, there are some of the nations which are described in Ezekiel 38. And the result will be that they will invade the land of Israel. And with that invasion of the land of Israel, they will come to an end. The next chapter, Ezekiel 39, extends on that and says, I'm against the Ogog, that's the one at the top, the ruler, we'll say Putin probably, the prince of Russia, Meshach, Moscow, the area of Tobolsky. I will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel and I will smite thee. And thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands and the people that are with thee. They'll come to an end and they will be destroyed. Again, remember Ezekiel 38 says that he comes out of the uttermost parts of the north. And Daniel 11 says he is the king of the north. He will come from that area into the Middle East. And Daniel 11 says this, and he shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. That's Israel. And yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. He will be destroyed there upon the mountains of Israel. But my dear brethren and sisters and ladies and gentlemen, where's things going now? Then God's kingdom will be established in Israel, ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus was, just before he was born, Mary was told by the angel that Jesus shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. In other words, he'll rule in Jerusalem. He'll rule over this world and he'll usher in the great kingdom that we long for. What a wonderful prospect we have before us. But how's it going to change? What's going to happen? Well, a new government's going to be established that will be truly wonderful. It will be ruled over by a just king. It will have a caring government. There will be true justice and world peace. One language, no longer confusion. They will have one religion, no longer Muslim, Catholic, Protestant, you name it. It'll be one religion. And there will be genuine security on the earth, agricultural plenty, and the wilderness will become productive. The Bible is full of the wonders the kingdom shall bring. It will be wonderful. Now, I can put this back up. I see some of you trying to copy this. I'll put it back at the end so you can see that later. But what will be the potential effects of Russia's conquest? Well, if Russia were to conquer that land, it would be war. It would be poverty. It would be disease. 
There would be the consequences of that war, that conflict in the Middle East. But what will be the effect of Christ's return? The effect of Christ's rule will be no war, no poverty, no disease. But it will be totally changed. The effect will be health. People's lives will be extended. Like in the time just before the flood, some lived 800 years and it would seem that that will happen in the kingdom. There will be plenty of food. It will be like the Garden of Eden. And there will be true happiness for those who submit to Christ's rule. It will be a wonderful kingdom. Do you want to be there? Do you want a part of it? Well, what should we do? Well, listen to some of the words that were said. Some of the final words before Christ ascended into heaven. And he said unto them, to his disciples, he said to us, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, which we are in some way doing tonight. He that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. Now it's straightforward what's required. There are three essential steps to salvation. What are they? Believe the gospel. The good news concerning the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. How his death, burial and resurrection saved us or can save us. But as well as that, we need then to be baptised. And having been baptised, we need to then continue faithfully. If we do that and we apply those principles, then we will be in God's kingdom upon this earth. We have before us a wonderful prospect. The return of Christ, yes, war possibly, certainly in the very near future things look that way and certainly shortly afterwards. But then Christ will return and intervene and bring peace to this world. But the important thing is for us now to respond while we have time. Time looks supremely short. So we need to act quickly so that we can find a place in that kingdom which is about to come. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.